solve this, this. Okay, so the Andromedans tell you that the Alpha Draconians are here now. Where? There are 1,833 of them that have been living underground between 100 and 200 miles beneath the surface. They've been here, some of them have been here a long, long time. They have lifespans that are thousands of years. Uh, uh, they're carnivorous. They are not friendly to mankind. Um, at least the ones that are here. Are you saying carnivorous? They eat humans. Yes. And they need to be. They won't eat a dead human. It has to be alive at the time of the killing. Their preference is children. You know. And we've been told. We've been told you shouldn't talk about that. You know. There are other people say, well, you better not talk about the reptilians. Well, you know, uh, bull. You know, uh, why not? According to the Andromedans, uh, they're responsible for 31,712 children disappearing in the last 25 years from the United States. These children were food. And I'm supposed to just shut up and not say anything about it because people don't want to hear it? That's tough. That's tough. You know, Westchester County, in the last five years, 3,000 children in the Westchester County, New York, have vanished without a trace. Where are they going? Why are we allowing this to happen? How and why should people and denial about now, it. Now, how are they able to do this? How are they able to, how are they able to, how are they able to do it? How are they able to come up out of this, from underground and do it, or do they have... There are tunneling systems everywhere. They're being helped by the greys, and also there are groups within the higher echelon that are actually helping them acquire this. So human beings are abducting the kids and giving them to the greys who in turn give them to the Alpha Draconians? That's right. That's part of the deal. They won't come up as long as we feed them down there. You understand, it's about human beings selling themselves out. The echelon attitude here, the needs of the few outweigh the needs of humanity. And sorry, that just isn't right. You know, but it's going to have to be humanity that's going to rise up and take the stand. You're just going to have to turn off your televisions. They're going to have to get in their car. They're going to have to fire everybody in Washington, D.C. that knows and does nothing. And they're going to have to do something. You know, this apathy's got to end, otherwise the way we live is going to end. Period. I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, and I'm not coming from a fear space. I'm really quite angry about the apathy and the fact that, you know, when people give lectures and try to tell us, people want to stand up and fight with them. Look at what's happening around us. The indications are everywhere. Everywhere. The truth is now an obscure thing. You know, the lie is the norm. There's something wrong here. What's wrong with this picture? Sorry, I'm getting crazy. No, you're not. You're expressing frustration, I think. Hi. Uh, why are the... Why... Aside from the carnivorous aspect to the Alpha Draconians, why else are they dangerous to humanity? Because they don't like us. And what are they willing to do with humanity? Eat us. There's no need for us. I mean, look look at where we are. Look at us right now as a civilization, as a society. Okay? They don't need anything. They have all this technology that they want. We can't really offer them except maybe work, do some work for them. But they don't need all of us to work for them. They don't respect human life in any way whatsoever. Um, and this goes back to Lyra, to where the original war started. Um, they, when they got to Lyra originally, 
they saw this, this human race that was plentiful in food, that could grow food, that could do all of these agricultural things. And mankind on a whole is really agricultural. We're really, we really, as a race, if we were left alone, would be nurturing the earth. We were living in tribal communities like the Native American Indians did. Um, you know, that's really, that's really our, our essence, our nature, I'm sorry. That's really our nature, our essence. And, um, you know, the cities and, and, and the culture that we're living in now has totally cut us off from the land, from what our real essence is, which is nature. And, um, uh, you know, we're starting to feed off each other now. Um, it's, it's like so bizarre. You know, I can't, it's like when I see the Andromedans or, or when I've been exposed to the Pleiadians, when I see how they, love, they live and, and, and they teach and they, they live with each other and they respect each other, and I come here. It's like, you know, it reminds me of that sentence that, that Abraham Lincoln, that, that quote that Abraham Lincoln once said. You know, when I'm, when I'm, if you are above the earth looking down, you could be an atheist. But when I'm on the earth looking up and seeing the heavens, I, I know there's a God. It's like the duality. And I think enough of us, more of us, really need, need to start taking the perspective that what we're doing here isn't right. Um, you know, we, we, we need to get in touch with, with what's out there, um, with just the, the whole idea that, God, how did we get here? What makes me be here? You know, as opposed to going home after work, turning on TV, watching three hours of television, going to bed, getting up the next morning, going to work and doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, like robots. Throw the televisions away. Just throw them away. Okay, uh, what are the physical characteristics of the Alpha Draconians? What do they look like? Uh, do we? I don't have that. Maybe it's in the car. <laughs> Um, they're ugly. I mean, they think we're ugly, too. You know, and I guess it's all a matter of perspective and belief system. In my belief system, and I'm only taking responsibility for me, they're ugly. They're anywhere from 7 to 22 feet tall. They can weigh up to 1,800 pounds. They're reptilian. The, uh, the longer, the, the ones that have stubby tails, if you see one that has no tail, he's, he's of the warrior class or, or the worker class. The longer the tail the higher their rank. When you see one with long tails, with, with winged appendages, he's considered royalty. Whenever you see one, you ought to just run like hell. You shouldn't approach it, you shouldn't provoke it, just get the hell out of its way, just get out of its way, just run. You know, um, there is a way to kill them. If you can't cut off their head, they have two hearts. There's one here underneath this armpit and one here. Or if you can't get to that area and you need to slow it down, you need to hit it right above its groin area. It has a very large liver. You need to wound it there to slow it down. Um, it is not something where man-to-man -man combat you're going to be able to, to deal with because they apparently have the strength of, of 12, 15 men. They're incredibly quick. They're incredibly psychic. They know what you're going to do before you do it. Um, and, and, you know, if they get here in mass, we got real problems. Real problems. perspective and you know that's what it is um, it, it's it's obvious that there's just not one truth there's many truths 
Um, the one truth is that we all exist, that we know, okay? That we all have an essence that is undefinable, that is truly eternal. Um, they say that third density, somewhere around this, the beginning of December, the year where we know, linear year of 2013, will implode. It will implode. <laughs> the third density will implode. And look at the auras. Wow, check this out. <clears throat> now, what does that mean? Okay. <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but this is what they say. They're convinced. That literally what's going to happen is that there's going to be a graduation out of physicality. That means a lot of us are going home, and it means that a lot of others are starting all over. If this is what's going to happen. Okay? Um, a lot of this has to do with our genetics. Uh, according to the Andromedans, we are, our physicality is the sum total of 22 different races that have come down here, spent the weekend, messed with us, and then took off and went home. <laughs> okay, intermingled, you know, left uh, children behind, and just took off. The Egyptian pharaohs are the perfect example of this. Okay? The blue bloods, the, the English family, uh, the Rothschilds, who are also blue bloods, are another example of this. Their blood is copper-based, and that's ET. Okay? That's ET. And the thing about copper-based blood is that you don't need a lot of oxygen. You tend to, your physicality tends to grow and have a larger lung capacity. Okay? Um, so you can live in a lot of other environments where we couldn't. Now, what's interesting is that in our physicality, what we know as Earth, our atmosphere is getting thinner and thinner. I know that there's a lot of talk about the ozone, and it's a myth that it isn't real, that there is no such thing as an ozone crisis, folks. There absolutely is an ozone crisis. Okay? We are destroying... Yeah, would I say we, all of us, are partly responsible for this. We are destroying our environment. Um, according to the Andromedans, 3,500 years ago, the oxygen content was between 34 and 38 percent. They say today that it is literally less than 17 percent. Now, those of you who have studied biology, what happens to the physical body when the gas, which is oxygen, goes below 15%? I'm sorry? Somebody said you die? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Now, why is this happening? Because a group of beings who are Terrans, who are Earth beings, have been made a promise by a group of extraterrestrials that have Orion belief systems that if they will get rid of some of the races on the planet, that the extraterrestrials will use their technology and restore the Earth to its original um, 
state. Okay? Some of that genocide was to be done by viruses. And as most of you know, the AIDS virus was created. There are others that are coming, anthrax and, and uh, the bubonic plague. You know, all of these things are coming back new and improved, I'm afraid to say. Because there's some really, truly crazy people that are in positions of power on our planet. Many of them um, go back and forth from our planet to the moon. Now, <laughs> you don't have to buy any of this, and that's okay, you know. But I can tell you this, in the next 10 years, you will absolutely know for a fact. Richard Hoagland will be vindicated. He truly will. Okay? on almost all of the planets in our solar system. There is life as we speak on Uranus right now. There's life. Plant life and mammal life as we speak. Okay? It's there. If you want to do something to burst everybody's bubble, you know, get them to send a satellite there. You know, and if you have any connections, get them to keep the cameras rolling as it enters, enters the atmosphere. Anyway, <laughs> um, I want to talk about genetics. Uh, I'm going to read to you something that was given to me on 8-6 of 96. Actually, it was given to me a little bit sooner than that, and it took me quite a while to get it to Val. Um, and it's about genetics. It's, it's not very long, and, and I just ask that you, you bear with me. But apparently, we were all copper-based. All of our, our physiology was based on copper. We were all blue bloods, okay? We were all royalty. In fact, we still are. It's just that our physiology is not working the same. And the reason it isn't is apparently because of a nuclear war that occurred here, one of the nuclear wars that occurred here. Now, why Earth? Well, number one, it's a really beautiful place, okay? It's not the only planet that has water. And when, you, and when you listen to the scientists talking about you know, the different moons that have water on them, you've got to ask yourself this, where did the water come from? If you have a moon that has no atmosphere, how did the water get there? Because it wasn't always there. It wasn't always like that. It had atmosphere. They were moved. Even Earth was moved from its rotation twice. And there's a possibility, if it's able to happen, and I talked with this to Jay, with Jay-Z, that they want to do it again. The flood of Noah, okay, <laughs> was a moving of the planet from its original orbit. That's what caused it. Okay, we're talking about huge motherships that just tag on, hook a little, little chain to the planet and just move it. <laughs> Okay, they have this technology, but that's what it is, it's technology. Okay, apparently we can do these things with our own minds if we're disciplined enough and we're clearly focused on our intent. And um, with talking with Jay-Z, that is exactly what Ramtha apparently has been teaching you. Okay, to remember who we originally were before we fell into time and fell into physicality. 
So I will read this. In your linear time of third density measurement of 439,231 rotations ago, war on a grave scale occurred in your solar system. This aggression occurred against those on your worlds that included not only you Terrans, but also those of Nibiru. This invasion of your system by Orion was led by a queen named Suti. This war was destructive on many levels and frequencies of physicality. We will focus tonight on your Terran physical form. It matters little to those who hear you, Alex, who do not listen. Please share this regardless of any emotional return to you in challenge. When your science truly removes their bigotry, they will discover of the, wis the wisdom of it. The last grave conflict was very harmful to your physical form. Many weapons of destruction, many of atom splitting have been used, which means nuclear weapons. This is the reason for most of your Terran skin tones. We shall explain. Orion was and is most interested in the females of your race because of the procreation, reproductive, and genetic strengths. We want to share the fact that much of your Terran history has been misleading in its truth by those who eventually conquered in control of your solar system. Nibiru won, but only a short battle before they and other outposts were forced to leave your solar system because of genetic damage. Your original races were green-skinned. Those with this we know because of large copper traces in your Terran 22 blood types. Also, the pituitary and thyroid were fully functional. The genetic damage to these organs was caused by radioactivity in air and all things of contact. The air was like this for a long time. It caused the genetic memory of these organs to be closed and almost atrophied. Your world experienced drastic changes in climate and massive magnetic fluctuations. Your different skin tones, spaces, are a result of an edema damage to your blood. It was then necessary for survival to create self-sufficient and contained environmental habitats, both above and below the earth. Now folks, this is what the Garden of Eden was. It was an artificially created environmental habitat. Okay, it's like you take like what Richard Holman's been talking about. You know, you take a dome city, you build this dome, and then you terraform it underneath it. It's exactly what these were. Um, let's see, where was I? Much of the fossilization of your Terran remnants is caused by this radiation of your planet. Your system contained three suns at the time. Only two remain. I'll read that again. <laughs> Your system contained three suns at the time. Only two remain. Write it down, write it down, it's a question. Your physicality, <laughs> Your physicality in its original form contained a great balance of zinc, copper, magnesium, and iron. Your true blood color was green, like your chlorophyll. 
Some, we have discovered, even had a gold tint in it. At such, your physicality could survive in a high carbon dioxide atmosphere. Because of this, because of your, because of the skin color, the only stars in your system that affected your physical form were in the color spectrum of orange, red, blue, and green. Now think about that, okay? If you picture in your mind everything's a holograph, okay, which is a free, which is a group of frequencies. Because of this skin color green, the only stars in your system that affected your physical form were in the color spectrum of orange, red, blue, and green. Many of your Terran races were stranded on the surface. The genetic changes were the result of radiation damage. Your race went from green to red to yellow to black to white. Let's run this again. <laughs> your skin, your race, skin color went from green to red. It's the Native Americans, the Egyptians, and the Mayans to yellow, which are Eurasians, to black, which are Afro Afro uh, African and Afro-Americans, to white. Your white races were then considered to be genetically the weakest. <laughs> Puts a whole new light on uh, prejudices, doesn't it? I know the Nazis aren't happy about this. <laughs> it's just as well I don't like them anyway. <laughs> um, as such, the survivors and descendants of the war were genetically altered and became white through edema. And they were persecuted and forced to live underground, only to surface 5,508 rotations ago to the surface of your world. Now there's, somebody had read this and they sent me an email and they, they had said uh, that, I don't know, somewhere that there's a legend that the white race appeared out of the mountains of Tibet some time ago. And I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I'll ask uh, the Living Encyclopedia Val if he knows. <laughs> um, let's see. The copper bloodline is now a small race on your planet, but it is, it is strongest genetically. Your native red nation race is very strong and easiest to discover and understand. And folks, this might understand, this might explain why there are so many abductions of the Native Americans on the reservations. And why even today they're still being persecuted. You know, because if you're a coward, you suppress the strongest. And of course, you know, many of us don't do much about it. You know, I don't want to get involved. You know, that's their problem, it's their issue. You know, we owe it to them, we owe it to ourselves. Uh, 
Um, let's see. The red is the closest to your original form among you. Your physicality had a natural defense to positive and negative frequencies due to the copper mineral in your blood. This lack of copper in your blood now has caused a partial loss of brain capacity and nervous system. Remember, your DNA contains cellular memory. It is possible to unlock this memory with the use of minerals such as copper. Your blood systems adapted to iron because of copper depletion due to radiation. We will share more with you, but we must return now. Be at one. They always end it with be at one. Okay. Uh, just keep going. Um, are there any questions? <laughs> I don't want to bore you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> are so great. I take you all home, but I can't feed you. <laughs> um, I've talked with Mornane Phaseus about um, maturity, and a lot of this had to deal with me specifically about how to grow. And you know, there. And when this first started, they, they didn't tell me that I would would be speaking or would be required to speak. And that's because I didn't read the fine print on the contract. <laughs> uh, and you got to read the fine print, folks. <laughs> okay? Do yourself a favor. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to read to you the stages that they, um, they said that the human being goes through. And I don't this is not just us. There are human beings everywhere. Not only on our plane of physicality, but on other planes. And I want you to know that even though uh, you may not see them, even though you know you talk about the, well, what I refer to as dimensions or densities, um, what apparently uh, Ramtha refers to as the planes, there is a physicality on every one of those planes or densities. Okay, it's not, they're just whispering little clouds and there's a light breeze and if you're lucky, one will blow through you and oh, hi, how are you? That's not what it is, okay? <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> so these are the stages that a true human being goes through during its, his, his or her, its evolution. The first is the wandering, where we come from, why, our purpose, and gathering our tools. The second is an initiation, preparing our own path, each one different, purifying, and hopefully centering. The next is honoring, understanding the source of our creation. That's a biggie. Recognizing the sacred in oneself. And I guess that's exactly what you're being taught here at the school. Is how to recognize your sacredness. Stating intention. Realizing and acknowledging one's true purpose to create self. Surrender. Big issue with me. 
<laughs> well, you know, we have we have this concept of surrender as you just let like anything happen to you, and that's it's not really true. Letting go of control to allow vulnerability to learn <laughs> what is already known. I forgot. <laughs> Embrace our own darkness. Walking into the unknown parts of self, being and becoming the void. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that after I go through it the first time. Lighting the flame in the heart, connecting to self and finding meaningful, honest ritual. Transformation, climbing the ladder of self-responsibility to hold a vision of being oneness, being the vision that alters all perception. Becoming human, empathy and compassion toward all, being in truly responsible relationships. And folks, I've learned for me that that's the secret of life is relationships, because they all mirror back part of us, part of me, all the relationships I have. Um, walking the path, integrating all of life's experiences, being a teacher by being. Service, discarding the illusion of separateness, total approach to life in humility and joy, and the last, the worship of the isness is the creation of self. The isness is their concept of creator, creation, what we refer to as God. I don't like to use the connotation God much anymore because, you know, our perception of it here, you know, is based on biblical teachings. And those beings, the God in the Old Testament and the God in the New Testament, are extraterrestrials. They're not the big guy. Okay. <clears throat> the big gal. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Are there any questions now? Okay. <laughs> Let me get some water. Um, fear is a big issue, at least not in this room, but outside this room it is. <laughs> it is with me on bad days, you know. <laughs> um, so I would like to share with you their perspective of fear and trying to understand it. In your time and space at present is a great challenge to you all. That would be the expression of fear. For any of you to be in fear is to lack clear understanding of most situations. We have observed on your world, we have observed that your world is at a most confused point in your history and evolvement. We understand your remarkable drive and commitment to be alive, survival. We, however, are not understanding of your need to create tools of death, expecting they will keep all in a space of understanding and peace. Ha, ha, ha.
pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> we have observed that you build, create, and plan in a space of fear, not in the consciousness of love. So your defensive position of institutions that create and employ are always then in a state of unraveling and disintegration. We share this with you because they drain you and your earth of energy, both the spiritual and materially physical. Fear always has to feed. Fear does not create itself. It has to feed. The fear we observe is difficult for us to understand. These are the Andromedans. It depletes you of your focus on the original intent. Now they refer to this a lot. And they've never come right out and said what the original intent was. But I suspect it's that definition I read you in the very beginning that that was our original intent. It is elusive. It's a very secretive energy. Fear withholds love. This is most saddening to see and feel. How can we share understanding and love when so many of you are withholding from self and each other? <laughs> you guys need some viral defense or something? Okay, please try to feel the words. We as a race are trying to express to your race. One of your original intentions in creating your physical reality is the idea of creating and learning to manipulate and express yourselves through physicality, using your consciousness. Okay, that's, it is your consciousness that is the gift of the isness that the isness has given you. And in fact, all things that bear spirit. It is the gift that has been clouded, and most importantly, clouded by fear. This creation of fear is completely irrational to whom you all are. Fear, as we ourselves at one time as Lyran ancestors, sought to defend and legitimize withholding of love. We have come to understand that withholding love only creates perpetual disintegration. We have discovered in our own galaxy the ruins of vast races having achieved recognition that have ceased to exist. They destroyed themselves simply because they withheld love and drained the very life force out of their intent and imploded and destroyed their self-creation. Fear is the opposing projection to original intent. The first projection of fear is denial. <laughs> An emotion of incredible restriction. And as a restriction, denial and fear will result in the complete opposite reality as that which it claims to be. Fear is based in our perspective on a misunderstanding of one's own worth and security. Why is this so? We have formed a perspective based on your history. Your many religions have helped and hurt this process. Some of your world beliefs have many convinced they are sinful creatures of nature. Now, I just want to add something here. 
In one of my conversations with Mornay, the word sin came up, and I brought it up. I was born and raised a Catholic, so I was fully uh, indoctrinated. <laughs> and um, he told me that the word sin is a word that comes that is pre-Sumerian. And the word sin originally meant genetic defect. So maybe that'll help you with a perspective when you read the Bible again, if you should read it again. <laughs> Some of your world beliefs have many convinced they are sinful creatures of nature. Your sciences teach that your physical form is a pool of chemicals thrown together by accident so that you are all an accident. <laughs> Living meaningless lives of chance. And folks, the first group of ETs that get here who are not going to benevolent and they're going to pass themselves off that they are, are going to be telling you that. That basically that that you, that we are, a, are their creation, that they own us because they created us. And the fact of the matter is, they didn't. Okay, it's, it's another lie, and the first group will probably be those from Cirrus B that will be openly contacting us. They're full of shit. Okay? You know, the game continues, and uh, a lot of people are going to fall for it because the earth will be going through changes, and they'll come down, and we'll save you, and, you know, this is the way, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, basically what they're going to do is they're going to use our free will against ourselves. Because that's what you have. That's all you have is your free will. It's the only true sovereignty you have in this menagerie of a holograph, which we call existence. Okay, you are because you want it to be. It's that simple. And if you don't want to be, then you can change that too. But it's your decision. Okay, it continues, I'm sorry. Um, you fear a God whom a book says is a loving, forgiving God, who will eternally throw you into an abyss for making mistakes. <laughs> serious dysfunction, don't you think? <laughs> Which way do I go? <laughs> and you do nothing, you know? It is in our perspective where this fear of unworthiness and insecurity is created from. Many in your world, Alex, have come to understand that fear, the idea of fear, is their enemy. And all of you struggle between understanding and fear and reason and fear. Please, we ask you to share this with your race. This struggle is in no way predetermined. And our perception is that this struggle will lead your world to peace and self-responsibility or your extinction as a race. This would grieve us. It's time to return you now. And I was given that on 2-9 of 91. So, in dealing with the reflections that Moranay and Phaseas have given me um, about our race, 
it, it's been difficult to want to come back, especially when I've seen how they, they treat each other. The very first time I was taken on board a, an Andromedan mothership, I have actually spent three months with them. I lived with them for three months in 1986. But when you, when you, but in our linear time, I was only gone 18 minutes. Time travel is a great thing. <laughs> you know, I was home to make car payments and everything else. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, okay. How they treat each other. Anyway, the first time I was brought on um, on an Andromedan mothership, and they are 900 miles in diameter. Okay. They are completely self-contained worlds. Everything they need is there. I had to wear a belt so that it would keep my physicality together so that I could spend this time with them. With the very first time I, I walked on, and in the middle of, they're made up of different levels. The craft I was on had 24 different levels. And um, in the middle of these craft, there is a 21 mile by 21 mile park trees and everything okay and they use extensive technology and holographs and they can literally create their sunrise their sunset okay and you and, and the trees and plants grow because it is a holograph but it is real even though they're creating it with technology the very first time i walked on there were children they teach their children in the middle of these parks everything's done in nature like very much like the native americans used to do you know, when the teepee got too small. And I walked on, and there were a bunch of children there, and as we walked out of a corridor, down a corridor, and out, into this huge space of what looked like, could be anywhere, like Agoura Hills or someplace out here, a park, the children moved away from me. And I was, like, really hurt, and I was like, oh, man. And Mornay immediately picked up what I was feeling, and he said, it isn't you. We have been teaching them about your race. <laughs> it's really not all that funny. <laughs> okay. Um, they were afraid of us. You know, and these are children I have never seen before, but immediately felt our energy, my energy, because I represented all of us. You know, and I do the best I can, sorry. I mean, <laughs> but you know, I got my own stuff to work out too. So, you know, they're learning, and, and, and I'm, I'm amazed that they, you know, they still want to come back and, and help. Another time I had been um, waiting for them, they finally showed up. And as I was walking into the control room, I was being led by another Andromedan. Uh, Morinay was looking at a bunch of meters on the wall and some monitors measuring our atmosphere. And he looked really sad. So I said to him, I said, what's the matter? 
and he just pointed to the atmosphere and he goes, don't they understand that it's here because they needed it? They don't understand our suicidal tendencies. They, they don't. Uh, I guess they have the perspective that we should really know better. I don't know where they got that. Um, so, I mean, that's just one of them, you know. Um, uh, another time, Viseus was watching television on the ship. They were picking up television. And I told them that's not a good idea. <laughs> Even on Earth, that's not a good idea. <laughs> and um, he had been watching a news broadcast about, um, about a shooting in Chicago. That's what it was where a cop shot, a, po uh, a, cop shot a, a man, a black man, and then rushed over and tried to save his life. He had a hard time understanding why the policeman would try to take the life and then try to save it. He, he didn't understand the contradiction, and I don't know that they've still clearly dealt with that. Um, you know, our, our reality that we know, that we accept as reality, is extremely foreign to a lot of other different races. They simply don't understand it, and there's like no way we could really truly rationalize it to them when they truly come from a space of unconditional love or mutual respect. Um, and I have not done a good job in explaining it to them. Because when I really stopped to think about it, it didn't make any sense to me at all, either. Um, so, as Val would say, it's time for a new paradigm. And I guess that's what Ramtha is doing, teaching all of you and, and those before you and those to come after you. Um, I've given a lot of thought to our race and the character issues. And I just want to share with you some of my thoughts on the human race and about people. A lot of this comes from my own experience dealing with us. A human being whose heart shows no passion is a person who doesn't have a life. A human being who doesn't give from his heart or her heart is a person who will lie to you. I've had to learn that the hard way. A human being whose heart is committed to nothing is a person who will not try, who will only take. A human being who is not willing to risk or take chances for love is a person who is absolutely empty inside. They're already dead. They're just sucking up air. I've, I've come to this conclusion because of my relationship with Morinay and Viseas. I absolutely love these two beings. They're my fathers, my brothers, my friends. Um, and, you know, in some respect, even my sons, because I've had the opportunity to, to teach them. You know, I mean, even English, it was like, you know, I felt like I was a really big deal, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much information out there that is totally bogus. I went to the Star Visions conference. I'll probably get into trouble because this is beyond video, but I'm not going to do any more anyway. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't pull any punches. I really don't. I mean, what the hell? Life's too short, right? 
this incarnation. <laughs> okay, we have a difference of opinion. <laughs> hey, you know, I've been hanging out with those guys and, you know, they live thousands of years. I wouldn't mind that. But I don't want to live a thousand years here. <laughs> Not the way it is. <laughs> Okay, where was I? <laughs> Star visions, thank you. See, it's the insomnias, little munchkins around 3.30. Somebody wrote in a card we got, up around midnight, when you hear that mournful cry, just remember at 3 a.m., you can give it another try. <laughs> oh, and it's so true. The Star visions, there was a guy there who had some pictures of some craft and he said that uh, he has been in contact with the Syrians and he mentioned Cirrus B and uh, he, then he went on to make a speech and uh, Jesus Christ is a starship commander he lives on earth underground in a place called Valley of the Echoes and that they're coming back and there will be a war and those who are not in favor of Jesus will be destroyed <clears throat> And they gave this guy a standing ovation. I'm not kidding. They gave this guy a standing ovation. And um, it was really sad because these people don't have a clue. They don't want to take responsibility. You know, they can totally thwart this war. We don't have to do anything really about this as long as we started working and learning to live with each other, granting mutual respect, having natural tolerance for our race. And I know it's not easy because of all the conditioning, but folks, I need your help. I desperately need your help. You know, we don't need to create the book of Revelations, and that's exactly what we're doing. And there are beings out there that have technology that are more than happy to help us play this thing out because we are a threat to them. And the reason we're a threat is not only who you are spiritually, which I will get into, but it's also because of our genetics, okay? They, our physicality was the Earth, uh, the Terran physicality, which is what we're known as, was melded between human extraterrestrial and the primate race, as this is what I've been taught. And it is that melding of those two races which gave us our incredible extremes of emotion. Which is why we can hold so much creative energy inside of us. This is why they're concerned and this is why the Andromedans are in awe of our creative energy. Because here they have to use technology to create some of their physicality. We don't. They're amazed that when you leave your house Okay? When you leave your house, everything is still there when you come back. It doesn't disintegrate. <laughs> now, if you live in South LA, well, then you gotta worry about your stuff being there. <laughs> They're 
amazed at that, of the intent and the energy that it creates to create every one of those little tchotchkes that you have on your shelf. <laughs> they're amazed. Because they're, they're very simple. They're very, very simple. They don't have all the little stuff that we have. <laughs> According to the Andromedans, what they have been able to discover, and apparently other races also have discovered this, is that they say that in our, what we know is our, our universe, which is a holograph, that there are 11 layers. I'll just deal with this. 11 densities, and now apparently there is a 12. This is their perspective, okay? And they say that we fell into time, into physicality. They say, the Andromedans say, that many of the extra, other extraterrestrial races are fascinated by what it is we know that we have locked up inside of us. Because we have already evolved to that level and then have come back to start all over again. They don't have access to this, what they think we know, what apparently is locked up inside of us. Not only that, but apparently we specifically chose this physicality because of the vibration that we held because of the primate and human because the physicality was able to hold such an extreme of emotions that we chose this physicality. And when you couple that with the idea that this physicality is also made up of 22 races, one of which includes the Andromedan race, they say we're royalty. They say that every single one of you is royalty on this planet. that you are royalty and that many of the other extraterrestrial races, particularly the benevolent ones, acknowledge this because of the fact that we are spirit and we have these genetics inside of us. The, the, the dark ones, which include the gray men and others, they see us as beasts because of the primate. How can we allow this to surpass us? And this is why the constant genetic and mental manipulation. And in talking with Jay-Z, you know, like she was saying earlier, we both, we, we talk different ways, but we're really, in many respects, saying the same thing. They're concerned that once we move out of our prison of third density, that we will radically change everything. I don't know about you, but I need a change. <laughs> oh God, I'm so burned out.
Thank <sighs> you.